Welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. With structured workouts, training plans and massive online group rides to make your training fun. Because fun is results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, 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 welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral or log a ride with our friend at Zwift. Joining me is, as usual, Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm very good, Christophe. I'm very good. Uh, I'm missing all of my cycling friends. We do get to talk by this way. I think we'd all prefer to catch up face to face, but you know what? Strange times we're in and we will work it out somehow, won't we? Absolutely. So you've got a, a flag behind you, uh, a Flanders flag. And who else have we got? We know how much you love Flanders, first of all, you know. Of course, yes. Not as much as our guests, though. Well, almost as much, but not well, quite as much. He's living our dream a little bit. You know, Scott Sunderland, how are you, Scott? Very good, Christoph and Dave. How are you guys? We're good. It's almost a, it's almost a year since we uh, were sharing a beer on your balcony. And uh, yes. boy, a lot has happened. Yeah, look, you're missing out on something. We have got amazing weather here in Belgium at the moment. I mean, for the weekend when Tour de Flanders should have been running, when we were having our beer last year, this time last year, it's been fantastic weather. And we've got 24 degrees forecast or 22 forecast for today. And we should be running Skelder Prize uh, in Antwerp, a pro series race. So... Guys, you know, we, we're really missing out on something here 12 months down from our last beer together. <laughs> Christoph, he's lying, all right? He's lying. It's not 25 degrees. He's cooped up inside. Come on, Scotty. <laughs> Tell us the real temperature. It's 10 degrees outside. Oh, he's going to show us. Come on, show <laughs> no, us. I'm going to show you. Yeah, look, guys, it's, uh, it's good weather out there. Look. I do believe you, you realise. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, it is. Blue sky. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, it's serious. I'll send you guys screenshots. Just look at look up Ghent, uh, today's weather in Ghent today. I'll tell you, it's <laughs> really beautiful. You're based in Ghent, uh, as we, we, we met you uh, last year. Uh, of course, the Flanders series, uh, has it been cancelled? Has it been postponed? Okay. I mean, this is why we're here to talk about. Uh, what's the situation yeah. exactly? So the situation for the moment is uh, the ECI is working together with uh, all race organizers of World Tour events at this moment and also the teams, uh, World Tour teams and and, also pro-continental teams, of course. They're trying to find a solution on how they can uh, try to compact the season into into potentially three, four months. Of course, this is all going to be determined by the federal governments and um, uh, European government on when, when events can actually start taking place and each country will, be, will have to make up their own judgments on this and um, on when those uh, restrictions are going to be uh, lifted as far as travel and, uh, and uh, running uh, events, whether it's uh, festivals uh, or, or cycling events, sporting events, etc, uh, etc. Et and what that might look like because uh, no one understands on you know, the, the size of the um, the groups that could be around it, for example, Tour de France, you've more or less shoulder to shoulder through the whole course. I mean, how do you police it? Uh, what's going to be the regulations and guidelines around all of this? So uh, it's very difficult. They're, they're working on plans uh, currently. Uh, I know there's another meeting tomorrow uh, scheduled between all the major race organisers and UCI, and it's just trying to find solutions at the moment, um, which is very difficult because no one really knows what the, the situation is going to be. Uh, in six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks, so uh, makes it very difficult to, to you know, put a plan in place. Scotty, you're 
I think we should point out again for our listeners uh, and viewers who, who don't know, you are the overall race director for Flanders Classics. So you would have been in the car, obviously, directing traffic at Tour of Flanders and, and a lot of the, the big races. How much do you think this will affect the Belgian cycling economy? We know cycling's huge in Belgium as a mm. recreational and a competitive sport, but you've lived and breathed it for many years. How much of an impact do you think it will have on the, on the economy there? Look, it's, it will, I think sport generally across every, um, across every country, whether it's cycling or football or, you know, uh, cricket or whatever it happens to be in whatever season uh, they're playing at the moment. But we're seeing impacts across all sports, um, how they're dealing with it. Uh, we're seeing how our clubs are trying to deal with uh, paying salaries. Uh, I mean, uh, we've got the, the knock-on effect where sponsors are sponsoring teams they're in difficulties because they're not able to pay their, uh, their staff, etc. And then straight away, you've got these uh, quite large sums of, of salaries being paid out to, to elite athletes, uh, whether it's in soccer or football or, or cycling. So they need to warrant why they're paying that still when they're sitting at home and actually not racing or not playing football or, or doing their sport. So, look, there's a lot to be taken in here. It's going to affect the economy not only in Belgium but every other country uh, where there is sporting events. Um, and it's just something that we, we need to look at. And uh, I tell you, there's a lot of people doing a lot of crisis management work at the moment, trying to problem solve. Um, and the impact is going to be huge, uh, huge, huge, huge. I mean, the tourism dollars that uh, is lost here, because uh, so much of the work has already been done, uh, it's just a matter of running the events. So those investments, you're never going to get back, uh, unfortunately. So it's now trying to look to the future. In terms of the, the decision, can you get us through how how you guys came to the decision, or was it always writing on the wall? When did you start feeling that you know, it was really quite getting compromised and, and how that decision process took place? Well, um, straight after I returned from the Cadell Evans Grosjean Road Race in, in Melbourne and Geelong, um, I came back into, into Belgium, into that actual management process of managing the coronavirus COVID-19, uh, COVID-19. Uh, for the Omlupet Newsblood. So um, we already had concerns there where we, we spoke to the uh, health and welfare people about, um, you know, what sort of uh, processes and protocols should we uh, put in place. And that was on the 29th of February. And practically off the back of that, within 10 days, we went in lockdown. So it went very, very quickly, guys. Uh, so for us as an event organiser, okay, it's all new. No one knew what they had to do, whether it was uh, whatever sport discipline it was. I mean, we had Formula One, we had football, we had the UEFA Cup, we had the National Cups, we had all the cycling races. Uh, we had Paris-Nice that was trying to run with a no, uh, no audience and, and you had Trino Adratico, which was cancelling and, and Strada Bianchi in, uh, in Italy. So it was just this massive big storm and, and we were in the eye of it and you're just flying blind uh, for a week or so and all you could rely on was, was the federal government um, and, and the health uh, authorities on what was the best uh, steps forward and how this was going to be managed. And um, uh, for us, it was just yeah, sitting on your hands and waiting. Did you, did you get yeah, any, uh, any questions from the teams? Were there any teams that wanted to run in, in a different way? You don't need to name them, name them uh, of oh, course. No, but sure. like, uh, what, what was the reaction from, uh, from the actual peloton, from the director sportive, from, from the sponsors? Like, uh, or was it unanimous, you know, it's better be safe than sorry? Um, look, already just prior to, to the Omelette Pit Newsblood, which was on the 29th of February, 
uh, in, a, in a meeting to, that I had with the, the team directors and the team managers, already uh, spoke briefly about uh, the process protocols we're putting in place for, for COVID-19 there. Uh, but immediately off the back of this event, when everything kicked off in Italy about cancelling the races there, the RCS races like Strada Bianchi and Trinadratico and, Milan, and uh, Paris-Nice, we were in, inundated by, uh, with emails from, um, from teams asking what processes we'd be putting in place. We had already started investigating that. We'd already actually uh, putting that into our planning, uh, strategic planning for, for the teams and, and uh, spectators. Uh, Etc. So we were, were working on plans, but of course, when the government made its choice to, it was better to do safe distancing and uh, cancel all sports events. Then um, it just started to happen. I mean, it went in waves. It went from uh, from the beginning of March uh, up to uh, Ghent Wevelgem, which was the first event. So we had uh, uh, Lance and Remo, then uh, E3 Prize, and then Ghent Wevelgem. And then it was extended for another two weeks, which then took out uh, Tour of Flanders and all other races. And then quickly off the back of that, then they said, bang, no racing at all until 1st of June at the earliest. Scotty, you're, you're there, you're on the ground. And obviously, as we said, you're, you're so heavily involved in the Flanders Classics. What's your gut feeling about the professional cycling season? Will it restart this year? Do you think there's a chance it will restart this year in Europe? And I don't want to, I hope that doesn't sound negative because there's a chance that it won't, isn't there? But what does what your gut feeling tell you? Look, I mean, we all only know what we're hearing from our, our governments uh, and, and from the you know, scientists and, and, and World Health Organization. Who, uh, so we're all guided by them on, on what's going to be the potential uh, curve and what their modeling was going to look like for the end of the year. Um, most people are agreeing that the this coronavirus is, is going to be around for some time to come. Yeah, could be for, for lifetimes, who knows. Uh, but at the moment, we just need to be able to work with it. So those decisions are sort of being made for us. But the feeling from the teams uh, is, is quite desperate at the moment. Um, as you guys have probably been reading, that a lot of the teams have been, uh, the re- uh, salaries have been reduced to 30%. Some teams have been able to continue to be paying uh, their riders. Um, everyone's in different situations because of the different uh, sponsors they have and, and uh, financial support. So that's a big concern, David, for um, whether or not we will have enough teams and will there be teams that can uh, get back into into race form and uh, be in a situation to race. The second thing is the race organisers. Uh, what organisers will be able to put on a race? I mean, we are all uh, waiting for the green light uh, to, to go ahead. So that means that everything has to be done very, very quickly. I mean, it's all well and good that people say, yeah, look, uh, put, put the race in August. But you, you've got to normally, if we're able to run bike races, that means that people can go on holidays because the peak holiday season is July, August in Europe. Okay. So all those hotel rooms and everything else has been booked in August. There's no Tour de France. Tour de France had all that accommodation France blocked out in July. Now, all of a sudden, they've got to do it in August. Where are they going to find the hotels, even if they're going to put the race on anyway? And they yeah. need to be able to have yeah. all their staff have got to be free and ready to work. And, and, you know, we're talking about all television coverage. We're talking about all the press. I mean, for everybody, you know, it's turning your whole racing schedule and work schedules on, on its head. So there's got to be a lot of um, uh, flexibility and adaptivity to, to be able to you know, incorporate this into, into the new program and uh, into everybody's lives. So, um, Mate, it just makes your head spin when you start thinking of all the bits and pieces that have got to fit in this puzzle. 
Yeah, we know, you, you touched on a little bit on uh, on the teams being you know willing and, and needing to uh, to actually uh, reduce their 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 workforce reduce the how deep is the impact you know because we we, we see this but thirty percent forty percent and and some teams are probably impacted more than others but how from what you hear how deep is the is the impact in in, in even smaller teams you know like the different division well, teams. I think the smaller teams are definitely uh, having having struggles, um, and it, it depends on, on on the financial input from the sponsor. So, if a sponsor, say for example CCC, they've invested massively into the team and they've gone uh, into it big because that was their main driver to publicise the the expansion of their stores across uh, Western Europe. So they were, they were already very big and established in Poland and and uh, other Eastern Bloc countries. But they were pushing into into Holland and into Belgium and Germany, etc. So a lot of their market budget was around the team. But, but now that they're not actually able to work, uh, etc., so they they they've got to put off staff. They're putting them on uh, on technical uh, unemployment, etc., etc. So they're all reduced salaries. But then they've got all these writers who are receiving such big salaries, so they need to reduce those as well. I mean, it's only fair, isn't it, that if you're, you're mm. people who are making and, and creating this sponsorship, making it possible for the company, that the riders also take uh, cuts. It's not the same for all teams. Um, for example, Jumbo Visma. Jumbo is, is supermarkets, and it's probably one of the only uh, <laughs> industries which is going ahead. Not like, uh, yeah. for example, uh, I have a good friend who works for Eurolinks. Now, Eurolinks just seen all the classics go, the Giro go, uh, um, all the marathons go. They lost like four marathons all one. The Eurovision Song Festival. So for them, from uh, audiovisual sector, that's been a massive hit to those guys. Plus all my friends who are photographers and uh, videographers and cameramen and reporters, commentators, everybody's trying to make do. So the effect onto the teams and, and everybody that work around the teams uh, is, is huge. It is huge. Um, but the riders are, are trying to survive. They're trying to keep happy trying to keep positive uh, they, you know uh, some riders are una unable to go outside so um, we're talking countries like France uh, Italy and Spain they're not allowed to train outdoors uh, but here in Belgium you're allowed to train outdoors uh, Scandinavia and Holland you're still allowed to train outdoors but you can only uh, do it individually so you're not allowed to do it in a group Scotty on a uh, on a positive note <laughs> not too much is it good to talk about at the moment in cycling but on a positive note uh, I did sit up and watch the other night the first virtual Ronde van Vlaanderen yep. and then I did see a post uh, I think it was yesterday on social media 613,000 people in mm -hmm. Belgium watched that live stream Yep. And that didn't include, uh, I think, YouTube pages like uh, GCN, Global Cycling Network. No. So there was over 700,000 plus people mm -hmm. watch the virtual Flanders. That's pretty impressive. And that actually would have put it ahead of races like Strada Bianca in terms of TV audience. It's Look, quite incredible, wasn't it? It, it was, Dave. It, it was very successful. It was put together very quickly. Uh, Thomas van der Spiegel, the CEO of uh, Flanders Classics, um, uh, worked very quickly with the uh, TV broadcast. So our partner, which is uh, VRT, Flemish Radio and Television, uh, which is equivalent to you know, your ABC or SBS in, in Australia. Um, and the, the production crew just you know, 
went into it, hammer and tong. Uh, they were able to put a deal together. It was a little bit ad hoc in some areas, but it worked. And what was uh, really fantastic to see with those numbers, Dave, uh, was the younger audience. They actually seen across the demographics of those uh, viewers, uh, there was a lot younger audience. And that was potentially because it was cut down to a 45 minute race with everything included, it's about one hour of viewing. So people were happy to say, yep, one hour, take a beer, take a you know, packet of chips, whatever, I'm gonna watch this. And I was watching it with a critical eye because it was the first time and that was sort of part of my role was to look at it. And I was, I got into it and, and to hear, yeah. I mean, maybe you guys have seen it, but to hear Van Avermaet talk about, yeah, I had a 10-second gap and I was, you know, really fighting to keep that gap. He was taking it just like he was in a race. And that, that's fantastic. And, and you know, how, uh, was it, how was it perceived in, in Belgium, do you think? Like post-event, post the next day on social media over there and on the, yep. on the, in the, the news um, channels over there, how was it sort of, what was the wash-up like? Well, you can imagine the last few weeks is no sport been happening. So they always <laughs> that was the only thing on. <laughs> yeah. So you have the news and the news is 90% coronavirus, right? Yeah. And then they go to sport. And what is the sports commentator talking about? Just like what I've been talking to you, negative sort of thing. <laughs> oh, this is happening. This is happening. And all of a sudden they're going, yes, cat. Um, oh, I forget now the, the guy who did it. And they went across to sport and he was like smiling. He said, I'll oh, talk about the race and, <laughs> and, and they could show an interview. So it was well, really well received. And uh, I think for everybody, it was, it was a ray of sunlight uh, yeah. in, in their lives and, and especially for the sporting world. Um, for us as Flanders Classics, it, we were the first event to be able to do something like this, even though it was a little bit last minute and ad hoc. Um, and I think we we're going to see a lot more races doing virtual um, racing over the coming weeks and months. So, uh, uh, Tour, Tour de Suisse, I think, isn't it? Tour de Suisse has announced that they will do, uh, which will be different, it's a one week long which mm -hmm. is uh, this is a classic is an hour how do you yeah. sustain a one week uh, sort of event on a, on, a, on a platform like this would be interesting to see what's happening there yeah look i think they they can do a good job i think it's very easy uh, or quite easy to do um because at the end of the day you, as you've seen with the flanders classics uh, tour of flanders the other day you have timing so you know the timing gaps uh, you can also do the hill sprints because, you know, we've seen him, uh, I think it was Thomas de Ghent who came over the top of Quaramont first. And then you had uh, Greg Van Avermaet who came over the Puttersburg, um, Puttersstraat, sorry, uh, first. So you can do all the KOMs and, and, and so forth as well still. So I, I actually see that it can work and they've got a little bit more time to, to finesse the, uh, the process and how it's going to look. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's very well possible. And, Hey, it's what we have at the moment, and um, it's uh. you know new frontiers for everybody. And I think we're actually turning a corner in, in virtual reality and speaking in in avatar world, and which I never thought we'd get there. But here we are. You know, it's it's crazy stuff. So it's, in it's in crazy to... crisis, you see some new new stuff happening. You know. Yeah, exactly. But like, what what would be left outside of you know once the because let's face it, I've said it before here. Like humanity is not going to stop on coronavirus, so no. humanity will come out of it. Uh, but things might change, and this is one of the change that could stay. Like, would you consider running an event or adding an event as the, the from the the set of the Flanders Classics, adding adding a, a virtual event at some point? Look, there's been some talk about it already. So, I mean, we're looking at eSports and, and, and I think definitely uh, virtual uh, sports is, is something to, to be considering. Um, and I think for people at home who are unable to get out, you know, the work life or whatever, 
that yeah, this is this could be it. I mean, shortening it up like what we did, we had the um, with the Tour of Flanders, keeping it to an hour. Uh, the attention span is not too too long, and you can also then join in in yourself uh, yourself. So. What we see now, what the riders did the other day, they set the times, etc. the pro riders, and they really raced. So now Maka can go and uh, download the same uh, same course and he can race against Panavamut to see if he's still got the same legs as he did years ago. So, you know... <laughs> I, 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 didn't have, I didn't have the legs to keep up with Panavamut 15 years ago, Scotty. So... <laughs> I dare say I'd, I'd be, uh, I won't be downloading the route. <laughs> I, I won't be making it public anyway. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, this is new frontier. That's, that's true. Yeah, nah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But, I mean, yeah. you, if you're a young aspiring rider and, and you want to come up, you, you actually can see where the benchmarks are. Um, yeah. yeah and I, I mean, uh, even, even what was really uh, quite cool about the uh, Tour of Flanders the other day was even in Poole's comments, Remco, because he went out pretty hard, and uh, and Thomas de Gent, of course, can hold himself back. You know, the the, the ever perpetual breakaway uh, guy, expert. And so Thomas uh, de Gent went out with him, and they were riding pretty hard. And you could see the watts that they're doing constantly. It's sitting at four fifty, five hundred, back to you know three eighty, four hundred. So they're, they're punching out some big power to keep out there. And then you just seen Vanavamart sitting back. He was with uh, Nars and so forth. And then on the Quarimont, boom, just like you would in a real race. Sucked his doors off, and like Remco said after the interview, he says, "He says I seen Ben Avermaet on the Buttersberg when he stood up on his home trainer, because you could actually see what was happening in their house." And he says, uh, "What's he doing standing up?" But he said, "I felt it after because he said I was going backwards, and Ben Avermaet rode away from me." And this is the commentary yeah. that's happening. So it was still very interactive, even though they're in their own garages or homes or offices and living rooms with their wives passing in the background and the kids coming up, you know, <laughs> hey, Dad. <laughs> so it's really real life sort of stuff. So it will have a place, I think. Um, and to answer your question, Christoph, potentially, yes, it could have a place in, in having a virtual race plus your normal race, of course. I mean, uh, it will have a place. And I think it's a, a possibly can be used as a marketing tool. It could be made possible for just to, to connect more with the public and and, uh, and the person at home who's riding on their home trainer. Well, the other and the other side of that, Scotty, I guess, is the uh, the uh, Flanders Fondo, which I've done a few times. Mm-hmm. Twelve thousand, I think it is, or thirteen thousand. So obviously, that's been a big blow as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twelve thousand people get to ride the course the day before. I guess there's that potential, isn't there? That twelve thousand people can then ride a virtual. Uh, Flanders Fondo the day before the virtual race. Yeah, look, in total, we get closer to um, uh, unofficial figures is 30,000. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. I know it's big, that's yeah. A, that's across all the circuits. Um, so yeah. we have a small one. But yeah, and this is what you could potentially do. You could have the long circuits again uh, and, and then you can have the shorter ones. So everybody who still feels they want to get on their bike can definitely do the uh, sportive ride. And that's something that we'll look at that depending on how the coronavirus is going and, and, and what, the, um, what the regulations are going to be and how relaxed they're going to be as far as uh, riding in groups, et cetera, are going to be towards the end of the year, uh, this will be an option that people can do it in, in virtual, um, virtual fondo. Virtual uh, fondo, I suppose. Yeah, and, and to, to conclude this, uh, this podcast, uh, if we look to the, towards the future, uh, what do you as a race organizer want to happen? Like if, we, if, if I can give you a blank sheet of paper and say, let's rewrite together the, uh, the end of 2020, uh, mm-hmm. where would you slot the Tour de France? Where would you slot the Grand Tour? Where would you slot 
Paris-Roubaix against Flanders? You know, what, what, how would you want to design that? Um, if I was going to be designing it, and, and it's pretty much where a lot of people are thinking, is that uh, all the Grand Tours will need to be reduced to two weeks, so three weekends. Uh, and that's purely so that we can free up some weekends for other events. Um, and if you're starting with the Tour de France, uh, say, for example, beginning of August, then we would also need to look at trying to have at least two to three one-day, oh, one-week races, stayed races, prior to the Tour de France, because uh, riders will need to have done some sort of racing to have some level of fitness to compete at the Tour. Then you'd follow with the Tour of, it Tour of Italy and then the Tour of Spain. Uh, the one-day monuments need to find a place in there as well. Um, so, obviously, in Milan San Remo, uh, Tour of Flanders, Liege, Brussels, Liege, uh, Paris-Roubaix, uh, they will need to find their place. Um, and then potentially, you've got races like Strada Bianchi and Game Wheel Game also to find a place, uh, some of those other bigger one-day races in between. And, of course, we've still got the uh, events, which uh, World Tour events, which uh, will keep their place, hopefully, because you know uh, they're, they're going to be the victims of the whole coronavirus because races which were cancelled or, or, or postponed at the beginning of the year, all of a sudden are now coming in to go shoulder to shoulder with them in their time slot that they were um, designated already uh, last year. So races like um, the Bing Bang Tour, for example, the stage race, and uh, you've got Pluet, uh, which is a World Tour race, and uh, a few others. Um, San Sebastian, don't forget, we've got that as a yeah. World Tour race classic. So this is where the puzzle will need to be uh, put together. Uh, and this is the, the task that the UCI has. They've only got X amount of weeks and weekends. Remember, most races are run on weekends and you can only do what you can do. Uh, the ro racing season has been prolonged until the 1st of November, so the end of October. So that does give us an extra four weeks to run uh, World Tour races in. Um, I hope you're right, Scotty. I hope you're right. And I guess for a lot of us, maybe a lot hinges on the Tour de France mid-May, they've said they're going to make a decision on the Tour de France. So mm -hmm. that might sort of make the decision for a lot of us uh, where the cycling season will go, yeah. Hey, Micah, yeah do, you want to, do you want to talk to him about your idea of a super grand tour? <laughs> In a nutshell, Maka had this idea of a super grand tour of joining the three tours together. Uh, let's not go into stage by stage, but, uh, you know, if you want to... I can if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. I like the idea of a week in each of the countries, Scotty. A week mm -hmm. in France, a week in Italy, mm -hmm. a week in Spain. And in the week in Spain, you implement San Sebastian as a stage, maybe a shortened mm -hmm. version. And you implement Milan San Remo as a shortened version, as a stage of the Grand Tour. And then of the monuments, we keep Il Lombardia the only standalone monument, which you won't like the sound of that, working for Flanders Classics, of course, uh, because, of course, of the, you know, the, the terrible time that they have had in uh, Lombardia. It'd be a gift from cycling back to the region. Mm. Uh, but Flanders and Roubaix, and I know you're not involved with Roubaix, but we, we implement those as stages of the Grand Tour, the one Grand Tour that we race for the year. Imagine that. Imagine Flanders three days out from Paris. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, we've all been having fun coming up with different concepts of how we would do it if we were the, we were the big boss, you know. Uh, it's funny. It's funny. And look, 
we've had some funny discussions and even my mind when I go out for a ride and you think about all the different possibilities and formulas that you come up with. Uh, but yeah, look, mate, yeah, I think the biggest, <laughs> it is a crazy idea. I like this. I, like this. <laughs> I think your biggest obstacle there is trying to get all the governments to agree and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like that. But yeah, look, why not? Why not? I mean, we'll it's, workshop it's, it. We'll workshop it. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you spend a bit more time on it, um, send it over and I'll, I'll pass it on. How's that? All right, good stuff. That's all I need. That's all I need. How very diplomatic of you, Scotty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, he likes it. Shut up, Christoph. <laughs> he had pretty much the same reaction with Durbo the other day as well. Durbo was uh, <laughs> Paris Roubaix in week three. It's crazy times, but uh, look, I think the realistic thing is that it's just trying for the UCIs to get all the uh, grand tours to just narrow down to two weeks. If they, that can yeah. happen, then we can still run all the monuments. Uh, all the other races, we had to keep their, their spot on the, on the calendar. And uh, I think what we also got to do is, is make sure that the teams are involved in all this decision-making because we're looking at, at races, which are normally three weeks and, and long stages and, and monument races, which, you know, like Tour of Flanders is 275 Ks. Will they be able to still ride that sort of an event? And, you know, Milan San Remo, 300 Ks. You want, you're yeah. not going to be doing that in the first week of August, are you, Milan San Remo, when you've been training on a home trainer the whole time? So, yeah, actually, actually yeah. talking about Milan San Remo uh, and being in Belgium, someone like that, uh, Gilbert, we know, mm -hmm. you know the interest he had for that race. Um, that's the only one missing in his, uh, in, yeah. in, 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 uh, his great career. Uh, how do you think, how, how is that received in Belgium, this? You know, uh, because there was big expectation for him to to be able to sure. to fulfil this. Yeah, look, for a lot of riders, I think it's the same. And then, uh, like Gilbert, literally, he's running out of time. Um, Greg Van Avermaet, I mean, you know, he's still, although he won the virtual Tour of Flanders, he's still chasing his Tour of Flanders victory. He's been twice second. So every year that goes mm -hmm. by is, is you know, his, his chances are dramatically decreasing. Um, Okay, the upside for Greg, Devama, Greg Van Avermaet is a, a year longer as an uh, Olympic champion. So he's going to be five oh. years Olympic champion. So, <laughs> you know, take, take what you can along the way. Um, but then you've also got young riders who are just on the, on the brink of breaking through, you know. Um, we wanted to see, especially riders like Jack Hay, where was he going to go to this year? And all of a sudden, you know, it's a, it's a year. It's, it's this, you know, this uh, Paul's year because of this. So uh, I think for some riders who who've been able to have some good race results beginning the year, they'd be going, wow, I'm glad I've already got that under the belt. But there's some riders who really haven't even hit their straps yet uh, and got no idea where they're at. Um, you know, it's going to be tough for them uh, coming into August. So uh, there's a lot of question marks around for a lot of people and there's a lot of people following people, uh, riders um, and, and the stars like uh, um, Greg Van Avermaet and, and Philip Joubert's. Absolutely. Scott, it was awesome to have you on, a, on the podcast. Thank you for, for your time. And uh, I, I'm sure it's about time for you to enjoy your beer and the sunshine, the 24 degrees. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for a coffee and a ride since I'm about nine hours behind you guys. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> good to talk to you, Scotty, and good to see you. Stay well. Likewise, guys. Christoph Macassis. Bye. Before we go, a quick shout out to Zwift, the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started on Zwift is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer and your PC, Mac or Apple device. Zwift offers training plans, interval workouts and a global community. Get strong and get motivated with every ride. 
give people a ride on and you're sure to get one back as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today and start your free trial.